Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I'm your host, Paul Oren, and you can catch me on Twitter at NWI Oren, and you can catch Union Street Hoops on NWI.com, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Two weeks from Christmas, hope you're getting your shopping done, hope all is well out there in, I guess, is it Crusader Nation? Well, we'll get to that in a little bit, whether or not it's still Crusader Nation. Uh, Special gift for you today, Mark LaBarbera, Director of Athletics for Valparaiso University, on the podcast. Happy to have Mark stop by and talk about the first part of the school year, academic season, in terms of how football did, volleyball did. We got a little bit of updates on those. Um, The injuries that have hit both football and women's basketball, we talk about that a little bit. We talk about kind of Valpo branching out into northwest Indiana, and uh, also a very interesting conversation. Are Valparaiso, is Valparaiso still going to be the Crusaders? Is there a movement to eliminate the Crusader nickname? Go to ValpoAthletics.com and you don't see Crusaders around as much. Really kind of going back to the end of August, the name Crusaders has kind of moved away a little bit. Uh, The Giant Crusader, where is the Giant Crusader? Uh, We get to the bottom of all of that with Mark LaBarbera. Uh, Here's what we didn't talk about with Mark LaBarbera. And when I say we, I mean me. Uh, Although if you're upset about the topics, you can blame it on on we instead of me. Um, I didn't get into ARC renovations with Mark LaBarbera, really because in October I had a chance to sit down with Mark and... We did a piece for NWI.com and the print edition of the newspaper where we talked a lot about moving to the Valley and kind of how that shifted their thinking a little bit. And uh, you can certainly go back into the archives of Northwest Indiana Times and find that article. And uh, so I didn't dive into that. Uh, Maybe in the offseason, and we we typically do this with Mark middle of the year we'll do an interview uh, on the podcast and then typically at the end of the academic uh, calendar athletic seasons in May we typically sit down and kind of reassess a little bit so I'm sure that some of those questions will be coming this was a relative spur of the moment kind of interview I, I knew a couple days ahead of time that it was going to happen but uh, it, it really you know wanted to give Mark the opportunity to come in and and talk about uh, Valpo's got some promotions coming up, including for the Ball State game on the 17th. And he's been making the rounds along with Matt Loddick doing interviews all across northwest Indiana. So um, I, was, I was granted the opportunity to sit down with Mark. And, and I got into some of those other more pressing questions that I had. Really, the, the student attendance was a big question I had for him, as well as the mascot and, and what's going on with that. So uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation that's coming up a little bit later on with Mark LaBarbera. want to talk briefly about the George Washington game, although I'm not really um, qualified to talk much about it. I didn't watch the game. I wasn't covering it for the paper. I didn't take the phone call. And uh, I, truth be told, I was at an all-you-can-eat sushi place on uh, Saturday during the game. And uh, didn't, didn't I mean, I was following the scores. I listened to the end of the broadcast and obviously— Great for Valpo, Bakari Evelyn and Ryan Fazekas to each knock down six three pointers. They went seventeen of thirty-two. Excuse me, seventeen of twenty-eight from the floor. They go twelve of twenty combined from the three-point line, and uh, you know Fazekas with eight rebounds, Bakari with four assists. Really, they did great. And at the end of the previous episode, 
of Union Street Hoops, I talked about was there a guy that was going to step up, that was going to be the best player on the floor. And as good as Maceo Jack was for George Washington, Bakari Evelyn and Ryan Fizikas were that much better for Valparaiso. Dion Lavender had 10 assists in the game. Javon Freeman was a beast in the first half, you know, 12 points, 13 in the first half for Bakari Evelyn. But it was really, it was Javon Freeman, I thought, who did great in the first half. And he ended up with 15 points, seven rebounds, three assists. And then Derek Smith's another solid game, 11 and nine, doing well. What's interesting about this game is that you know, Valpo had been going to this eight-man rotation. Well, they were really down to, like, a five-man rotation in this game. Off the bench, Marcus Golder played 14 minutes, and Marcus really kind of had a horrendous game against High Point, right? And 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 probably deserved, and maybe deserves not the right word, but something. I mean, that game against High Point was not good. And, uh, and, and he didn't play well. And, and so maybe this was a bit of a wake-up call. I don't know. He, you know, he took three shots, missed the three-pointer, um, really you know, came up with two points. Malik McMillan back in the lineup, nine minutes, uh, you know, hit one of his shots, had knocked down a three-pointer, had a rebound, had an assist, and two steals. And uh, really, more importantly, in nine minutes, didn't commit a foul. And so Malik McMillan showing a little bit of a— uh, a little bit of a flash there as he played six minutes there in the first half and then came back in the second half and knocked down that three-pointer, was his only contribution in three minutes. Jay Soroya played three minutes in the first half and then did not play at all in the second half. He played three minutes and re- registered a three trillion, didn't do anything. Daniel Sackey played two minutes in the game and had a turnover. So, excuse me, that was in the uh, that was just in the first half. Uh, yeah, yeah, Saki only played in the first half. He did not come in in the second half. Matter of fact, in the second half, you saw four minutes from Golder, three minutes from McMillan. Lavender played the entire 20 in the second half. Fizikas never came off the floor. Bakari was off the floor for a minute. And, uh, and Javon Freeman was off the floor for three minutes. And when Smits came out, you know, McMillan was in, but that was about it. It was really, it was, it was the starters. I don't know how sustainable that is down the line to, to play with that short of a bench, but it certainly worked in this game. Uh, was it a revenge game for Valpo? Well, in program only, beating George Washington, who they lost to in the NIT championship game in 2016. And while that was only two and a half years ago, Valpo didn't have a player on the floor against George Washington on Saturday that played in that game nor did George Washington. Matter of fact, the only guy that had competed against one another, um, well, I, you know, I suspect that Fizikas played against George Washington when he was at Providence. And, uh, but uh, DJ Williams, who played 32 minutes, had 11 points, five rebounds, two steals for George Washington. He's a transfer from Illinois where he played five minutes in the NIT game in 2017 against Valpo. And so that was the only guy in George Washington who'd had any uh, any connection whatsoever to going against Valpo uh, so far as I could figure. Nobody uh, – George Washington, I don't – has one senior, and it's a walk-on that started playing basketball this season. Nobody else on that team is uh, was around back when, uh, when George Washington went on to win the NIT just a couple of years ago. 
whereas uh, for Valpo, I think Derek Smith was redshirting that year. But uh, I don't believe there's anybody else on the roster that was uh, that was around for that. One matter of fact, just Matt Loddick and Luke Gore, the only other two people along with Derek Smith that were even in the program at that time, although I think Jason Karras might have uh, might have been around then. So Valpo beats George Washington. The question I guess I have is does and I know George Washington's two and eight. I know they're not very good right now, but still going on the road, I think any road win is a good win. If Valpo would have beaten High Point like they were supposed to and lost, you know, say say they beat High Point and then they lose by two or three to George Washington on the road, do you feel do you feel better than you do right now with losing the high point at home and then beating George Washington on the road? I don't know. I mean, through ten games, Valpo's six and four. They have looked good at times. They have looked bad at times. They are struggling to put opponents away as evidented again. Evidented? Is that a word? Evidented? We'll leave it in there. You let me know if it's a word. I don't think it is. As evidenced by the fact that, uh, they again, they struggled to close out George Washington down the stretch despite having the lead up to 13 points with 9.15 left to go, which, again, impressive considering Valpo is down 10 in the middle of the first half. But they come back. They win that game. They're 6-4. and four. And now they've got Ball State. This is going to be a test. Here's what Ball State's done so far this year. The first, they played U-Indy in an exhibition game. Same U-Indy team that beat Valpo. Ball State wins by 16. Ball State hosts Indiana State in the opener. Wins by 17. Goes to Purdue. Loses by 9. Goes to the Charleston Classic. Loses to Virginia Tech. Loses to Alabama. Beats App State. Sure. Beats Evansville at home by 10. Beats IUPUI at home by 10. No, excuse me, on the road. Goes to Chicago. Goes to Loyola. Wins by 6 points. Then goes to Evansville. Loses by 12. So they've split a pair of games with Evansville, which is odd. They've beaten Loyola, and they've beaten Indiana State. So Valpo now has got a chance at home to to really uh, come back and get a quality win. Ball State, much like Valpo, is 6-4. They've got some players on their team. Taylor Persons, the guy that hit the game winner last year, is uh, 16 and a half points a game right now, 50 assists. He's a great player. K.J. Walton has started all 10 games, averaging 15 points a game. Tahaj Teague, 13 and a half points a game and leading rebounder at six, 6.7 rebounds per game. And Kyle Mallers is uh, 8.5 points a game as well. And then Trey Moses has uh, started most of the games Another really kind of talented player, 22 blocks and 6.4 rebounds per game. Very, very good, good team in Ball State. Bracken Hazen is on the team. He's a transfer from Arkansas and the older brother of Parker Hazen. He has started a pair of games and is averaging 6.5 points and 4.7 rebounds. And he is a threat to knock down the three-point shot. He hasn't taken a ton this year. They do hoist up a lot of threes, and teams will take a lot of threes against them. They've taken 197 three-pointers already. Valpo has taken 212 in the same amount of games. 119 of those have come from Fazekas and Evelyn, and so you'll see those two, Freeman and Golder, shooting a lot of threes. I suspect a high-scoring contest. Ball State averages 80 points a game. Valpo averages 75 points a game. Uh, Ball State gives up 75 points a game. 
and Valpo gives up right around 70. So both teams have got a five-point scoring differential. I suspect we're going to see some points scored in this game. After the George Washington, or actually, excuse me, after the Ball State game, Valpo a very quick turnaround on the road to Texas A&M, and then they get 10 days off for Christmas, and then they come back, play Purdue Northwest, and then begin conference play at home Wednesday, January 2nd. Should be a uh, fun battle against Illinois State, one of the teams suspected to be near the top, although the Missouri Valley Conference, and we'll break this down, you know, probably two podcasts from now, the Missouri Valley has not had a great non-conference schedule. Valpo, not had a great non-conference showing, I should say. Valpo has a chance to get a big win against Ball State on the 17th. And because we're talking Ball State, I want to segue it here now to Mark LaBarbera, who will have some thoughts on the Ball State game and kind of what Valpo is doing to promote that game. And uh, really, all the other topics that I touched on earlier, Mark LaBarbera is going to hit on. Uh, We'll roll this interview, and then we're done for this episode. We'll be back next week as we talk a little bit more about the Ball State game, including an old familiar face comes to town, comes to Valparaiso next week. Take care, everybody. Here is Valparaiso Director of Athletics, Mark LaBarbera. Thank you. This is uh, maybe the third or fourth time on the show, which probably puts you as the most uh, return, <laughs> the highest returning guest. Wow, I'm I'm, I'm honored by that. I, uh, I truly am. Um, and and no more Parker Gatewood. He's uh, he's down in Florida, warmer than. Uh, and it's too bad that he's not here because he always would get so amped whenever we were going to talk to you, and he'd, <laughs> he'd he'd always come up with these great questions. And uh, I should have reached out to him beforehand. But. Yeah, I have to say I'm dis- I'm a little disappointed there haven't been. Uh, many videos from from Parker he did one when he moved down there he said there'd be more and there haven't been any yeah I've been, he, I've been anxiously waiting for he, another he's episode go, he's gone of, underground a little bit so yeah. uh we'll, we'll hear from him uh, a couple questions for you uh you know we're happy to have you on here we're going to talk about some promotions that Valpo has planned mm-hmm. for later on but I figure since you're here this great time we're midway through the the year to talk about maybe the first half of the athletic seasons sure uh, obviously we start with football and they came into the year with a, a high expectations, mm-hmm. and I think it's fair to say that those expectations weren't met. But I think if anyone paid attention to it, they'd see they weren't met for uh, really the most injury, injury-filled, injury-ravaged season I think I've ever seen. Coming out of that, I guess, what's the conversation like with Dave Cicchini, and, and do you still sense there's maybe some confidence kind of hanging around the program? I know there was a lot of injuries, but you get a lot of these guys back because of some new NCAA rule this year. Yeah, um, the sense that I get is there's still a, a, a lot of optimism in football. Uh, the, the players that I talk to um, all feel good about the program. Um, I, I think they all understand what happened in this last season. Uh, clearly, I would agree that this was a season um, almost unprecedented in the maybe not the number of injuries, but just who got injured. So to lose as many meaningful contributors – uh, to lose as many people off the one and two um, or off the depth chart that we lost. Um, and and many of them, well, I guess they're all meaningful positions, but some very critical positions like quarterback and middle linebacker. I think um, three of the back. four captains were out at yeah, one point. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, yeah they were. So to, to have that happen, um, it, that's tough for anybody to, to overcome. Um, yeah, you'd like to think uh, next man up. 
Um, but is, is um, I think I saw somebody say just recently there's a number or there's a reason why the ones and twos are the ones and twos. Um, and, and so consequently, um, some of our threes and fours were younger guys. You saw some freshmen playing. Um, in the Pioneer Football League, it is tough. It is very tough to win games and compete with, with uh, freshmen. Um, the, the PFL, most of the teams in the PFL um, have a pretty good um, system about it now where they, you see a lot of seniors and, and redshirt seniors, a lot of kids with four and five years experience. That difference in football is a meaningful difference, mm-hmm. um, and it's tough to compete. Um, we had some pretty talented kids, um, freshmen. Michael Scarcella, a local Velpo yeah. kid, um, a lot of time, but was he really ready to be, to be um, competing at that level? He did a great job, I think, and, and I don't want to pull him out. There were some other kids too, um, but he's just an example that people might recognize. But was he really ready? Um, he probably would have benefited and the team would have benefited if he had been able to redshirt or have a little bit more experience before he stepped in that role. So, yeah, it was a tough year. I, I do know this, and, and, and Coach Cicchini and I have talked about this. We are a significantly better football program now than we were five years ago when he took over. Well, significantly better. And that's what we were – that's what we're um, – our goal was, and that's what we're striving for. So, and, and I know we'll be a significantly better program next year. So. You know I'm a, a diehard Green Bay Packer fan, and they've got the Bears coming up this week, yeah. and they've already beaten the Bears once this year. And there's a school of thought that if you go two and fourteen, but you beat the Bears twice, it's a successful season. You did beat Butler this we, year. We did beat Butler, and we, we beat Butler. I thought convincingly, yeah. And so that was an important win. And um, there were a lot of football alum at that game. Um, they get pretty jacked up for that. So yeah, we we do have that to to uh, point to this year that. We now have beaten Butler two times, uh, two years in a row. And I would say this, Dave's been here five years. He's three and two against Butler, which would make him probably an anomaly. I think the vast majority of our coaches, if not all of them, have losing records against Butler. He might be the only one that that can say he's got a winning record. So, yeah, we're, we're pleased with that, no doubt. That's what Valpo does now is they beat <laughs> Butler. <laughs> uh, you just had the opportunity to travel to New Orleans with the volleyball team. They went on this run in the uh, the National Invitational Volleyball Championship to the, I guess we'll call it the Elite Eight uh, or the quarterfinals. I like the Elite Eight better. It sounds better. Uh, what was that like to kind of, you know, see this volleyball program that was led by this this amazing group of seniors to be able to have some success there? Yeah, that was that was really um, very enjoyable. I was pleased to see that. Very proud of the, uh, the volleyball program, proud of um, the women, the entire team. But uh, we do have a um, – uh, we do really want to have a shout-out for the senior um, class. That really was a special class um, when you look at that, what they've done. And, and they're a special class in this sense that moving to the Missouri Valley for volleyball was a pretty significant yeah. step up. I don't know if a lot of people realize that, but I forget how many years in a row now, but the, the Valley had two teams in the in the volleyball championship. So to be a, a, a conference that has at-large bids to the NCAA volleyball tournament, uh, the MidCon and the Horizon League were never never even approached that level of competition. So for this, for this group of seniors to lead us into that, um, last year um, we only had really had one senior, Taylor Grabowski, and so this really was the, the class that is because of the size that really made that transition in, in, in the level that they were able to move our, us to in volleyball, to be able to come in as the four seed, um, to be able to be selected for postseason competition, to play uh, pretty much head-to-head with everybody, including Northern Iowa, which has won, I don't know, a crazy number of Valley um, championships. 
um, over the year. That's one of their premier programs. So for that group to be able to lead us um, to the Valley and lead us to competitiveness in the Valley, that really speaks a lot to them, but also speaks a lot to Karen Avery, who, who's obviously been the longtime head coach, and the quality of, of young women that she's able to attract, but then also what she's able to do with them when they get here to help them to continue and improve. So yeah, that's a that's a really strong program with a, with a really, really first-rate coach that attracts um, first-rate um, student-athletes here. And to see what they've been accomplished really was, yeah, was something. And, you know, just you, you mentioned Michael Scarcella on the football team, a local guy. And volleyball had Brittany Anderson right. from Bishop Knoll, who was just uh, – just an excellent story to see her also play softball too. I, I saw her. I think on social media today she posted a photograph of her in her softball uniform and said, "You know, time for softball season to start." And I'm <laughs> like, "Does she ever get a break?" Uh, I, you know, I want to ask you, you. We talked about football a little bit with injuries. Injuries happen. I, I, we're now into the the winter sports season. Women's basketball <laughs> got six players. It's not it's, almost, yeah. it's not laughable, but it's just it's such unfortunate. As many as six players are out for a considerable amount of time. Is this bad luck, or you know, does this make you as an athletic director want to rethink all of the strength conditioning the way? Or is this just bad luck? Uh, I think it's I think it's just bad luck. Um, they actually redid when when Coach Evans came here. They actually did redo their strength and conditioning programs. So that that's happened already, mm-hmm. um, I, and I think it's happened. Um, I, I think the changes have been positive. Um, just looking at what they're doing and, and the way they do it, I think some of it was just bad luck. Some of the people that are out um, had nagging kind of injuries yeah. that that just kind of rolled forward into this year. So Caitlin Morrison's a great example. That was something that developed um, before this year. Um, uh, Nicole Knezny is another one, another local um, uh, region yep. kid. Um, her back issues um, actually go back to high school. Um, so some of this is, is is just, I don't know if it's kind of catching up with them um, or, or what it is, or it's just unfortunate timing. But yeah, she's got a pretty, she's got a pretty good um, team. Um, that's dressed in street clothes yeah. every night. And it would be, be great to see them all on the court and competing. Um, but I'll, I'll say this about, about Mary Evans. She, she understands where she's at. Um, she's got a great attitude. She has a really good demeanor about her. And, and she is working hard along with her staff and the women that are out there. They're all working hard to, to get better, and, and they are getting better. They're, they've been fun yeah. games to yeah. watch, and if they can cure the third quarter ailment that they seem to have, yeah. they're going to be they're going to be good. Um, all right, a couple interesting <laughs> questions here. Look, you and I have been around Valpo Athletics right. for a long time, and I can remember maybe in some of your early years of uh, of being the athletic director, my first couple of years, kind of being back in town. Um, We'd go to basketball games, and the student section's packed, and the mezzanine on the opposite side, a lot of the athletes would kind of sit up there. I can remember, you know, football players, volleyball players kind of sitting there with their feet dangling a little bit, and and, and just there were students everywhere. Um, Now when I look at the student section, if they're there, they're probably sitting uh, athletes are, are not – they don't sit in the student section so much right. during men's games. I know during women's games, the football team's great yeah. at what they do. Um, women's basketball team sits up in the corner. The soccer players sit elsewhere. The Greeks are not really coming to the games as much. Um, kind of out of a loaded question here. Do you think this speaks to, like, the evolution of the college student with more streaming devices and social media and all of that? Um 
Valpo games are available in the dorm rooms now. You can watch them all over the place. I would imagine that you have conversations with athletic directors across the country, and Valpo is not the only place experiencing this. What What's your reaction to, I guess, student attendance across yeah. the board? Well, I, I think there's two things there. The first we can talk about is I do think you're correct. I think this is a, a national trend. Um, I know from talking to my colleagues in, in peers, not only in the Valley, but in, in, in other conferences, and also from just reading stuff um, that comes my way every day. I get, I get a couple different news services uh, that deal with college athletics. Everybody's struggling with that. Everybody's struggling with it, including the big schools. I think it was, wasn't this year. might have been last year, maybe a little before that. I read an article about how Duke does not, how they struggle for some of their non-conference games to fill up the um, Cameron crazies. Uh, boy, back in the '90s when I was at NC State, that was uh, that was like a given. I mean, that, that wasn't even. Yeah. It was, I mean, shoot, they had kids that would camp out f- two days in advance to get non-conference seats. Um, so, uh, when when the big schools have issues, um, there was another article I read I think last year about how Michigan is struggling to get students to their football games, and a lot of it they think does have to do with connectivity. Wisconsin um, has that their, issue yeah. too. They they don't they don't show up on time right. for the kickoff. Yeah. I saw a couple pictures from some games recently of just vast empty student sections. I think Michigan had one as well. Yeah. So that is a national trend. So how to figure out how to how to do that and how to get your students to show up? They just they they. they Students nowadays just have have different interests. Um, they, they have more interests. Um, you know, back even maybe even just 10 or 15 years ago, they didn't have as many options of, of what to do with their time. They didn't have as many options of, of things to do. So now it's, it's just different. Um, I do think a lot of them are watching it other places. Um, and then the other thing that, that we have to um, face right now, I think, is, is that students are no different than any other fans. When the team's doing well, and when teams are winning, they will show up, and they will show up in numbers. Um, when they feel like the team's not doing well, then they won't show up. So, consequently, um, you know, I think everybody got off. We were everybody was excited last year. We got off to a good start. I whatever we won eight games eight, in a eight, row, eight, yeah. and everybody's excited. And then we go on a streak where we lose six or seven in a row. Well, I was kidding with somebody last year. You know, it is not a good marketing strategy to lose six consecutive <laughs> games. So now people suddenly and, and and once you lose their interest, sometimes it's hard to get it back. It really is. So um, I think we just need to perform a little better, and we will. The team's getting better. Um, you can see that this year. Uh, we will. Com- we are competing better. The games will be better. So I think um, as, as they continue to compete, um, I think um, you can look at that at Loyola. I think it's been interesting to watch Loyola. So I watched the Loyola Ball State game um, um, over the weekend on um, online, and I was shocked at how many empty seats – Loyola has so people were pretty jacked up about their Final Four run. They started their season, yeah. When Nevada and they, and it got was, there, right, yeah. it, was, it was packed. And now that they've lost a few games, now it's like, well, people are kind yeah. of going back to their habits. So when you see that happening with Loyola already, and 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 it just it's just the way that 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 our I guess our culture is now. It's just kind of the way things are evolved. So um, I can tell you this as far as students. Um, we're working here. We, we last year we we partnered with um, one of the marketing professors. Um, they have research classes and stuff. They did some really good research for us, uh, a student group, about how their fellow students how they get information and how they find out about games. So we have that. And now this year there's a group that's fit, um, 
that's finishing up a project for us about the best ways to take that information or take what we learned from last year and then use that to try to push information through those channels to get information out about games and what will help with that. Um, so we're, we are working on that. We're, we're very aware of that. Um, it's been interesting. Some of the tried and true things that always used to fill up the student section. Free pizza. Free free food <laughs> and free T-shirts. So um, at the, I don't think you've noticed at the High Point game, we did have a promotion. We gave out free Jimmy John's, and we gave out free T-shirts. And we got the section maybe two-thirds full, um, which was great. Um, and um, But then when we gave out the T-shirts at halftime, about half of that crew left. I saw that, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, in order <laughs> – it's just changing, and we are working hard, and we're we're spending time talking and trying to listen to our students about what we can do to, to kind of get them back. And I just think it's changed a lot over the years. I mean, I can remember as a student for myself when, you know, the first non-conference game, home game of the year was like the Vukru game. Yeah. And they'd hand out the T-shirts, yeah. and everybody would wear that shirt sure. for every every game for the rest of the year. It just yeah. it, yeah. You know, another thing that's changed a little bit, too, and I'll, I'll just finish with this, is it used to be back in the day, and I remember when we were in the Horizon League, if you were to announce that a game was on actual broadcast television, so if you would say, hey, this is going to be an ESPN2 game or an ESPNU game, it was for sure filled up because yeah. people want to be on TV. Now the kids don't care. And you can announce it's on television, and they're like, mm, ho-hum, I don't care if I'm on TV. So it's just the, the culture's changed, the attitudes of the kids have changed, and it, it's just it's different, and so – we're working to try to understand, um, you know, what they're, how they're looking at things and, and, and what they're doing by trying to listen to them more and talk to them more. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've turned, uh, we've turned consumers into publishers yeah. for years, and yeah. that's changed. The, I mean, the idea of getting on TV with the Hi Mom Send right. Money sign is not what yeah, it used to be. They don't be, care about so. that at all anymore. Yeah. yeah. All right, here's an, a really interesting question for you, and one that, that I've – you know, kind of arrived at after a little bit of research. Uh, it, it, led, it led me to a couple of things. First, we noticed the giant crusader has not been at basketball games this year. <laughs> Saw that. Yeah, okay. Thought, okay, that's interesting. Then there was a game last week where the crusader mascot itself wasn't there. Okay. But then I, I realized a student was ill, right. and that's why they weren't there. That said, I've noticed a bit of a change on Valpo's website. So I decided, because I've got free time because the Packers are terrible and I don't watch them, um, that – the uh, the term Crusaders has kind of been pushed back a little bit. I went all the way back to the, the final weekend of August, and a lot of references to Crusaders and stories have kind of shifted. So instead of, it used to say, following the Crusaders on this station, that, or whatever, now it says following Valpo. Um, logos have changed a little bit, and really short of the Crusader Fund link on the website, on ValpoAthletics.com, there is no reference to Crusaders. Is this a, a marketing thing? You want to brand Valpo? Is this a moving away from the Crusaders' nickname? Um, I've always advocated for the Valparaiso Koala Bears. Longtime <laughs> listeners know, but this is interesting. It's it's been a conversation over time. Different groups, almost always professor groups, pop up and say, "Don't like this nickname, what it represents, or whatever." Uh, that's a lot to throw at you. Kind of, how do you how do you take all of that? Yeah. Well, the first I would say is this: is is that Valpo is a national brand. Yeah. That's the reality of it. We know that for a fact. Velpo is a national brand. Um, when we joined the um, Valley, there was a great article written by Matt uh, Norlander, who Matt Norlander, who's the national um, writer for CBS Sports on college great basketball. Guy. And one of that was one of the points he made in his article is, hey, the Valley could not have found another mid-major with as strong a brand as Velpo. 
So Valpo is a very is is a strong national brand. So we have been we have been emphasizing that because we know that people from coast to coast when they hear Valpo they know who that is. And and the 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 the, the, the best example of that is Gonzaga. If I were to ask the, the um, people what's the mascot for Gonzaga, ninety percent of the people couldn't tell me. Now there's. There are always the, the really diehard basketball fans that will tell me what it is right away, but the majority of people don't have any idea. They either know them as Gonzaga or the Zags. Their mascot is not the Zags. Right, right. I know you know what it is. Yes. I know yes. what it is. It's the Bulldogs. Yes. But you rarely hear, re- hear Gonzaga referred to as the Bulldogs. They're almost always referred to as Gonzaga or the Zags. So we have a similar brand, Valparaiso and Velpo. So we have made a decision to, to brand with Velpo because it's a national brand and people understand it. And the um, Shield is just has logistically a lot easier for us to work with. Um, we've really got a lot of good applications for it. You can see it on a lot of the jerseys now, on the collar, on the back of hats. It's a lot of places. So it's just a, uh, it, when we're talking about being a national program, we're talking about being a national brand, we're just trying to clear, clean that up. Now, we are still the Crusaders. There is no... Um, we're not, we're not... We don't have a plan to go away from the Crusaders. Yeah. Um, um, I know that there are people on campus that would like us not to be the Crusaders, but that's not a conversation um, that that athletics is is a part of. I tell people all the time it is not the place of the athletics department to decide how the university gets um, um, how they want to be identified. Yeah. So if if people want to have that conversation, um, they can have it. But but there's been um, we are not. Um, there is no, there's no, we're not going away from the crusader. I'm trying to figure out the right way to explain no, I think it I, so people will yeah. understand it. Uh, you'll notice that there's crusader on the shorts for a lot of the teams. Um, baseball still has uniforms that say crusader. Um, you're right, the crusader mascot, the live one was the, the, the student who does that was ill. The inflatable crusader was really getting to be in pretty bad shape. It had been around for it five been, years or Yeah, so, it was actually longer. more than that. It was hired by a former marketing v- VP who's been gone for maybe five years himself. So it was really starting to get in bad shape. So we, 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 we decided not to put it up. Um, we were going to use that money. It, it would have been fairly expensive to replace it. We're going to try to use that money to do some other things in the arc. But that's really kind of where we're at. Having looked at other schools that go through that, I... It was easy. To, as I'm looking at the website, I'm thinking, you know, there's a bunch of Crusaders. There's one Valpo. So that's, that seems- no, that's exactly right. And 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 once again, I can go if if I have Valpo gear on. There are very few places in this country I can go where someone won't come up to me and say something. Yeah. Um, if I just had the Crusader logo, no one would ever speak to me. No, makes sense. Uh, I, speaking of uniforms. Uh, George Washington game, Valpo with the brown and gold. Yeah, how about that? Uh, I loved them. I thought they I looked thought, really sharp, don't I they? I thought they were great. Um, are those uh, kind of the alternative jerseys, that's, similar to the old gray jerseys? Yeah, that's 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 an alternative third jersey. Um, I, I have to say this. Some of our women's teams, a couple of years ago, we, we, we talked to the coaches and we said, hey, listen, we are the brown and gold. Uh, w- would it be great if we could try to be the brown and gold more often? Um, softball did some really nice things with brown yep. that looked really attractive. The other coaches saw that. Then women's basketball did some brown that looked really good. So people are recognizing that they're seeing it. Of course, football's always used a brown. They always that always looks good. So 
we're, once again, as we, we talk about the way our brand is nationally, when we talk about Velpo, we're trying to get back to, um, to, to more brown and gold. We're proud to be the brown and gold. We want the kids to be proud to be the brown and gold. The interesting thing is the basketball team, the men's team, knew that those jerseys has existed since the beginning of the year. And they've been asking, hey, when can we wear them? When can we wear them? And so um, Coach Lodick pulled them out. Uh, the other thing I like is we we went, kind of went back the throwback the throwback script uh, Valparaiso script across yeah. the front too, which you'll see in a lot of uh, of older pictures of the team. So we, we do want to stay tied with our tradition. We do want to stay tied with what's a great um, athletic history. I thought they're the best lo- looking jerseys I've seen in a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. They they're were, really sharp. I thought they were great. And hopefully, and, and they're already better. They're already better than the Grays because <laughs> we were O for something in the Grays. Yeah, I think the the Purdue game and, and then, then at, at Toledo at Toledo, and yeah. then they were never seen again because, um, yeah, they were over two. Yeah, uh, you've got some exciting promotions coming up. There was just the ugly sweater promotion mm-hmm. at the women's basketball game, which was amazing. But uh, talk a little bit about um, the Ball State. You've got some promotions coming up for the men's game on December seventeenth, and I think some uh, some stuff with two one nine. Yeah, uh, the Ball State game. We we when we looked at the schedule this summer, we knew that the Ball State game was going to be our best home game. Uh, for a variety of reasons, we knew that they were returning a strong team. We we figured they'd be off to a good start, and they have been. Um, they finally a, a Valley team finally figured them out, and they yeah. they lost Evansville. to Evansville yesterday. But they had beaten three Valley teams before that, so they really got off to a great start. Um, plus, they're a local in-state rival that we have a long history with. You know, it goes all the way back to the old Indiana Collegiate Conference days when we were in a conference together. So we figured that was going to be a, 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 our best home game. Then we looked and we saw it was over break, and we we're like, well, we really want to get a, a good crowd. So we decided this summer that we would promote that game um, heavily, uh, um, more so than the other home games. And we decided we would have this promotion where tickets would essentially be half price, so five dollars. Um, for the bleacher seats, ten dollars for the chair backsides. Um, I have heard through some people. I don't. Uh, um, although nobody's contacted me directly, that some people were concerned. Like, hey, um, not fair to us season ticket holders. Yeah. But I would like to tell the season ticket holders their season ticket package is actually priced with those tickets as five and ten dollars. Because we knew we were going to do that, and we wanted to be fair to them. So if if if, if any of the season ticket holders are listening to this. I can assure them that when we came up to the with the price for your season ticket package, if you're a chairback season ticket holder, it included a ten dollar ticket for the ball state. Game. I wasn't sure how to ask that question, <laughs> and, and you and you and you. Well, that's it gotten right back there. to me. Some people have said, "Hey, we heard this." Nobody's asked me directly, and yeah. say people should if they got a yeah, question. I've certainly heard the rumblings. As yeah, well. but 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 it was packaged because we knew this summer that's what we we're going to do. So we are promoting that hard. Um, we, you'll see it. It's in the paper. We're trying to mention it everywhere we can. There's a lot of social media. Uh, Matt Lodick and I are going tomorrow morning, bright and early, to be on um, um, a Lake Lake County radio station WJOB to uh, talk on and their morning program to to try to promote it in Lake County to try to get more of those Lake County people to come over. So we're hopeful. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if at that price, that quality of a game of what we can do for a crowd. But it's going to be important to, for us is is hard as good as Ball State's playing to have a, a, a meaningful home court advantage. And I've enjoyed uh, over Thanksgiving break. You brought in, uh, I think, uh, another band. You mm-hmm. brought in some other cheerleading teams. Yeah. What? Uh, how have those relationships kind of? 
Well, well, one of the things we did this summer is we looked at the schedule and we said, okay, how many games are during break? And what can we do to see if we can drive some additional attendance, knowing that our students are not going to be here? And then also a lot of the campus kind of empties out, faculty and staff leave. So we, we did do some joint programs with local schools. So you did see some um, high school uh, pep bands in here in, in cheer squads since ours were gone. Um, so we're just trying to do more with the community. Um, we, we have a, a, a much more robust plan this year, if you want to say it, to engage with the region. Um, we've changed our, um, you'll notice we kind of changed our tagline a little bit that now says we are the region's Division One team. Um, some of that just came from conversations with people as we talked to people, um, particularly out of sight of the Valparaiso city limits. It was like, um, well, some of them didn't even realize we were Division One, which was uh, <laughs> uh, was a little a little disconcerting. The color just kind of went out of your face. Yeah. You so, so, so we've we've done that more. So we, we're doing more. We're we're doing more to to reach out to um, to the local community, the local business communities, but beyond the city limits. So we're doing some things with in Lake County too. We got a couple of promotions coming up with local chambers of commerce where we're going to do receptions for them before the game, invite their memberships to come in, um, spend some time with us. Um, we've been going out talking to um, individual business people, different groups. Um, so we've been trying to be out at more events. So we're, we're trying to be more active in the community and try to rebuild that connection that I think was probably there. Um, I know was there um, through a lot of our history, but the local fans are no different than the students. Everybody has a lot of options now. Yeah. Everybody has a lot. And the streaming, although it's a great thing for our reputation nationally, I do know when the weather gets bad, a lot of people just stay home and watch it online. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out a way to, to connect with more people um, just kind of go out and talk with more people and, and get them to come in. A uh, final question I have for you is along these lines, you know, moving into Lake County, you, uh, the basketball programs held an open practice at the Hammond Civic Center. How does something like that come together, and was that successful? How do you? Uh, yeah, you know, um, it, it came together this way is that one of the um, one of the uh, councilmen, committeemen, I forget exactly how they're st- uh, structured in Hammond, actually um, was at a meeting with, with President Heckler and said, hey, it would be great. We would love to partner with you guys somehow, uh, the city of Hammond, and is there something we can do? And and um, so they realized that, that athletics would be the best connection um, with that. So we did partner with Hammond officially and with their Parks and Rec and with their city government to, to have that over there. Um, we, we, we realized after the fact that we, we didn't promote it probably the way we should, so we were disappointed in the, in the attendance. Um, and I would say this, it was never structured to be a practice. Um, so we called it an open practice. But really what it was was an opportunity to take the basketball teams to Lake County and see if we could get some um, Lake County people in there just to see them and interact with them and, and to know who we are. From that standpoint, it, it kind of worked. There were, a, there were a lot of young kids there. Kids. There were some yeah. families there. So you saw a lot of people run around the floor. So if people, people were going expecting to see a practice and they're going to learn something about the team, it was never structured to be that way. Um, it was always structured to be, hey, can we get people from Lake County in? Can we get kids from Lake County in? Can we make some connection that would make them want to come to some games? It was it was part of the Northwest um, Indiana um, engagement plan that that we've put together. Um, and, I, and I want to say this. I want, I want to give kudos to the people from Hammond um, for for um, pursuing it and wanting to do it. And they were disappointed in it. And we've already talked, and we're going to do it again next year, and we're going to change the way that, that we communicate about it. 
we're going to change the way that um, it gets promoted and, and try to draw bigger fans. You also see us have more presence in Lake County. We will. There's a 219 fest that Hammond runs. We will be part of that. We'll have a presence at that. Um, you're going to see the Crusader, um, and I'll probably you're going to see the Crusader at the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Um, the, the new Hall of Fame Museum in Whiting, they're going to have a big uh, uh, opening event. You'll see the Crusader over there uh, for that. Well, if, um, if you so. do anything with Pierogi Fest, I'll wear the Crusader <laughs> costume, and uh, that'll be okay. good. Uh, Valparaiso Director of Athletics, Mark LaBarber, thank you very much for joining, and uh, looking forward uh, December 17th, Valpo Ball State. Should be a fun, fun atmosphere. Yeah, here. and one other, thing I want to pro- one other thing I want to mention real quick. We do have a 219 promotion going. There is a 219 game coming up for the men, but you can still buy your 219 t shirt, which will get you admission to the Purdue Northwest game on the 29th, but also to the women's game on the 20th with Evansville. So, uh, 20 bucks, you get a great looking t shirt, you get into two games. So, uh, one last pitch before we go. And thank you for letting me get that in, Paul. And thank yeah. you, as always, for inviting me. Um, Always enjoy the time. And it'd be great, and we'll talk to you again after the basketball season as we uh, we look at some more fun details in year two of the Missouri Valley Conference. Thank you very much. Yeah, you bet. <laughs>